0: All right, time for our Miami Sports Pod. First pod of the season following a real football game. Boy, we got one on Saturday night between the Canes and the Gators, though there were a lot of mistakes, a lot of wild stuff. In the end, it was a very entertaining way to start the season, but unfortunately for Canes fans, a loss. Well, Manso, Clay Ferro, Dukie Lang, let's recap it. Let's learn a little about it. We'll also later in the pod, I think, touch on the Dolphins briefly as they get toward their final preseason game. But when it comes to this game, Clay, You know, the bottom line is the Canes made too many mistakes, and every player said it afterwards that spoke, and Manny Diaz. You know, I think anybody that watched the game knows there was a lot of boneheaded mistakes, from pre-snap penalties to uh, poor offensive line play, bad special teams. Just at the worst moments, the Canes playing poorly. So I ask you, now that we've had a little time to kind of think about what happened on Saturday night, is this indicative of a common problem the Canes have had, and that's a lack of discipline and shooting themselves in the foot, basically, Or did you see enough to say, that's just rust maybe from an opening game and an early, especially an early season game, and I saw enough things to think this team could be improving?
1: No, I felt the opposite as far as, no, I didn't think this was the same old Canes. I thought that Manny Diaz has said all offseason the one thing this team has to get better at is fighting through adversity. That in the past, without saying it directly, they have quit. They did the exact opposite. What are they,
0: Virginia Tech? <laughs>
1: oh, yeah, man, seriously. was that a crazy story? We can get into that later so people will know the reference. But
2: um, The I seniors told the underclassmen that if they played hard in the final game for Virginia they would Tech kill that they would kill them but it, but, so that they could avoid a, Why did they want to avoid a bowl game But allegedly play? they didn't want to play anymore.
1: The, the feeling is it wasn't seniors. It was players who had since left the program. And, they, any of them those, playing down here? I know because he had Trayvon Hill had already been kicked off the team. Oh, okay. And I know that's what you're referencing, but so no, he wasn't a part of that. This was later on in the year, and you know, won't get into names. But
0: so okay, the Canes which, aren't quitters yeah. like Virginia Tech. We've established. <laughs> there that. we go. So
1: no, but I felt like, in in, in all seriousness. There were so many points in that game where the Canes faced adversity, mm-hmm. and they could have easily folded. They could have easily quit. Look, the, the very first drive of the game for Florida, they convert a fourth down. There's a missed tackle that leads to a touchdown. And and I guarantee you that there were Canes fans sitting there thinking, oh, here we go again. Well, especially
0: when the Gators then drove down to take a 14-3 lead, and then you got the opportunity – you know, they took advantage of the fumble, and then all of a sudden the game turned before they can get in the end zone.
1: And see, I felt like right there, Will, was another one where – Yes, the Gators fumbled and, and they should have scored, but it started this cycle where the Canes were in poor field position pretty much mm-hmm. for the for the rest of the first half, but then uh, they didn't have great field position much of the second half either. So, all of these things could have built up against them, and they could have quit, and they didn't. And I thought that was really important. I thought the the penalties we saw were not not as much a lack of discipline. You you spoke about this a bit that. The play clock was really hard to see down in the field, and I think that led to some problems. That was a pain, yeah. um, and and again, look, I'm not trying to make excuses here, but you asked me, did I feel like this was kind of same old Canes type mm-hmm. of stuff where lack felt, of discipline? You felt even, different. No, I felt differently, and and I, by the way, I thought I thought they were the better coach team on the field, and and I don't know that we could have said that much over the last. I was yeah,
0: so. I thought I thought Dan Enos, you know from a coordinator standpoint came out with a nice game plan. The Gators then countered after they you know with their corners pressing more, and then all of a sudden the pass rush. Jaron Williams had no time. And, Dukey. I'm going to turn to Jaron Williams because there seems to be this this feeling of you either love what he did and his toughness and stuff, tough, and others say, well, you know, he took too many sacks. And I think it could be a little both. Uh, did he take a lot of sacks? Sure. But then again, he was running for his life the entire game. I mean, at some point, somebody jokes yesterday, oh, you know, he had happy feet. He didn't have happy feet. He had frightened feet. He was scared. He was running for his life, and then I can't blame him. But when you look at the poise he showed to stand in the pocket, to run around, to try to make plays, could he have thrown some balls away? Yes. I think it's something he needs to learn. But in a debut in that situation, the national spotlight against a top-ten team and a rival and that defense and, and with that poor offensive line, I'm of the school, thought that Jaron Williams, if anything, you leave that game feeling a lot better about your quarterback situation.
2: I think he's the best quarterback that they've had, I don't know, five years. And, and I know that's coming well, off I of know, pr- a – That's a
0: little – No, I I mean, I'm going to – say ta- it, but I think it's a little that's, quick to determine.
2: That, that was my feeling. That's how I left because he had no protection – None. Even on the plays where he got off throws, he was running for his life. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's, it's interesting because it's very hard to evaluate an offense when you have no offensive line because the quarterback doesn't have time. The receivers don't have time to get open. The running backs don't have holes to run through. It's such a vital part I mean football is blocking and tackling if you can't block and you can't tackle
0: tackle, and that's the
2: point if you can't block and you can't tackle you can't win football games and so the offensive line was so bad but despite that I thought his feet were good Mm-hmm. I thought his arm was good. He put the I've, ball in the money. A lot. I thought, Even
0: incompletions in, in yeah. spots. He didn't overthrow or throw behind. I don't remember one pass. You guys could correct me. I don't remember one pass where I said, ooh, man, he missed yeah, an open he, guy. He
2: didn't make mistakes. I mean, to to have a game where you're sacked ten times, to physically have the ability to stay in it, I think he wore down a little bit at the end. but oh, to was, physically, I saw him
0: right after the game. He was gas. But to
2: physically stay in the game and to mentally, despite a constant flow of pressure, not... Give in, not make a dumb. He did nothing to cost Miami that game, nothing. And like no, Clayton
0: the, the sacks hurt field position, and that sure. Look, but the, Lou but they're, you can Great tattoos, but he didn't necessarily punt well. So they were they were in all kinds <laughs> of issues field position. But you're right, he didn't make the big mistake. Which in that game, if he does, they lose by 20.
2: I feel like coming out of that game, I feel like if they can correct even a little bit of the offensive line, give him a little bit of time, I I. I mean, there was a discussion like, who should the quarterback be? I think if you have followed Miami over the last few years, I think Manny 100 percent got it right. Well, Manny
0: said I, it. Manny said it after the game. He said, "You, I think you saw why we went with this." No, I, I think I think right. I mean we've, I think we we've made, seen we saw we saw,
2: why went with we this saw 11 games of Nikosi Perry, and we saw four random plays of Tate Martell, and I can tell you that that Jaron Williams, the, the four star recruit the Army All-American. Army All-American who who they they didn't want to touch last year because they wanted to save that year I saw in that game a loss where the where the game was just a slop fest mm. I saw a lot from him so, that's just how I saw
1: it and and just to go back to your your point about him being the best quarterback that we've seen at Miami in the last five years. The game that came to mind that I wanted to compare it to was Brad Kaya's first start at Louisville. Because I thought that was somewhat similar, where uh, not as good of a team, certainly not as good of a defense, but you're on a a true road game, even though I think there were probably more Gators fans there the other night. Um, It it wasn't a, a true road game, but similar circumstances. Uh, Brad Kaya that night, 17 to 29, 174 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions, rating of 106. Jaron Williams last night, Saturday night, 19 to 29, 214 yards, one touchdown, no picks, rating of 139. So, and again, look, it's just one game. I'm not trying to to say any, you know, make any sort of broad statements, but that was a fantastic debut yeah. given the circumstances. I,
2: I, my, all I'm saying is they got themselves no, a quarterback. I, I, in my, I in my opinion, they have a quarterback. Here's
0: why I feel like it's not a. It, Overreaction and saying that I, mean, I don't know about the five-year thing, but I, but about having them still a quarterback, it's not overreaction because this is about as tough as a situation he's going to get, and the one thing he showed was poise, and the one thing that normally takes time to come is that comfort and that poise and that in that the moment not getting too big for you, and I don't think it ever got too big for Jaron. If anything, in that fourth quarter, I just think he was tired. He was running for his life. He had I think his. Body was so tired that it wasn't processing to the brain to then process to the arm what to do. He just was <laughs> running around looking for, like, what do I do next? And half the time he was getting tripped up and sacked or there was a penalty or something. But I thought when he got time, the few times he did, look, you look at the last – in the fourth quarter late in the game, there was two throws he made that I thought were good throws incompletions. He threw under Will Mallory that 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 was not caught, was well defended, but it was right where it needed to be. And then he threw under Brevin Jordan in the end zone, which was initially called pass interference. The flag was picked up throw was right there. Yeah. Again, when you look at it, even at uh, that Jeff, point of the, the game. The throw
1: to Jeff Thomas.
0: The, Je- oh, the Je- throw to Jeff Thomas was, <laughs> yeah, I've seen people all the way through a little far out. No. He had to. He was yeah. avoiding pressure, and that was the only area you can give your receiver just to catch it. Yeah. It hit Jeff Thomas, I think, in the helmet. It basically hit him right in the face mask, and he dropped it. So He had a bad night. He had a bad night. Between that, the muff, yeah, he definitely had a bad night. But when you look at what Jaron Williams did, I feel pretty good about it. The, only, the downside is the O-line. I don't know how this O-line gets better. It gets better. It gets better <laughs> no, this way. No. Number one, it gets better. I'll tell you how it gets better. They no, don't have to face Florida's pass rush again.
1: Look, can we just let let Dookie throw this out there? No, no, I'm going actually...
0: to interrupt it real quick. Our okay. sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spark your hard-earned money on a car, go to a place with a reputation. I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac like Buick GMC Pepper Pines. The Vera family's been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac like Buick GMC. There, Cadillac, Buick, GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. So what were we talking about? The turnover chain. So (laughs) (laughs) the turnover chain was beautiful.
1: It was great. The 305, I loved it. I loved the touchdown knuckles. I think I I think no, I think ring. they're going with ring. I, I like knuckles. I mean, it's like brass knuckles. I like right, it. Right, but I th- I, that's why
2: I think they're trying to intimate that oh, it's come that's on, a man. ring, you not we a weapon. that
1: PC I mean, you, on you, you, it? Come yes, you, on. Yes, yes. 2019, boys, man. I'm you Italian over here. Brass knuckles.
0: I next, think they're tra- No,
2: it's a it's a <laughs> ring, and it says hurry, Okay, so the offensive line, Will. Just
0: get it out there. Why are we talking about the offensive line again? We were talking about the offensive line. Just get it over
2: with. I don't understand... Okay, first, the very serious take. I don't understand how or why the Canes could come into a game with that offensive line getting dominated that way and have no answer. No
0: Number one is they had a couple freshmen. They had
2: nothing... Right, but they had nothing schematically. They had nothing personnel-wise. Like...
0: Well, they tried schematically. They tried the quick passes, but then it, which worked to perfection. The first drive, they went right down the yep. field. Florida figured it out and said, look, we can press. And if we press, we're not putting our corners on an island because this guy's not going to gamble in two seconds to throw. That's right.
2: So, okay. And
0: then so, Florida pressed on fourth and 34.
2: Which was the dumbest, one of the dumbest things I've <laughs> so ever seen. So somebody <laughs> needs to come in and help that offensive line. If there's time to get a junior college transfer, I'm all for it. They, they need some experience on there. But what if they look around their football team and they thought, Who's a guy who's pretty big, pretty tough, can lay down a block, maybe help on the left side a little bit? What do you think, Will?
0: I I, I have a feeling I know where you're going with this. You're, you're going to go with the punter who weighs about 200 pounds.
2: He's 215 pounds, 6'4". Yes, four.
0: 215 pounds, Dave.
2: Two ne- neck tattoos, tattoos arm tattoos tattoos, tattoos. tattoos don't block. You know what? He's a tough dude.
0: I well, I would I'd, ra- I'd rather you work on him punting better because one thing he didn't he didn't do
2: well. I mean, I, I was expecting these booming kicks. You know what? Miami had a crazy idea a couple of years ago. They took a, a mediocre basketball player and said, "You're tall. We'll just have Jaquari Harris throw a couple passes up to you." Ten touchdowns later, Jimmy Graham was a draft pick, sure, and now so he's on his way Lou to the Headley, Hall of Fame.
0: To a Headley to gain a hundred pounds, and then get back to me. How about that? He, I'm
2: well, on. The only problem with Headley is he's 37 years old. No, the, so
0: the real answer, look, the real answer with the offensive line is this: it tends to be in this case Miami always goes for skilled players, and you're always trying to get the best players and the four and five star recruits. I get it. You know, the, the elite players, offensive line sometimes get skimped a little bit as far as where you're going and recruiting. I think it's pretty clear that Manny Diaz in phase one of his kind of rebuild and future push toward the Canes was going after certain positions and certain spots and obviously trying to secure, you know, big playmakers and things. I think it's clear they need to attack an offensive line. Look, two of these freshmen are just freshmen. That's a tough setting. It was loud there. The Gators are a very good defense. Best defense Miami will face all year. I'm not going to give up on these kids and say they're terrible, but right now they're not good. They can't handle that kind of pressure. When we talked earlier about Jaron, the moment's not too big the moment was too big for these guys. Well, and
2: and I think this will be a really good test for Manny Diaz as a coach, right? Because mm-hmm. part of coaching is recruiting, but the other part of coaching is internal improvement. Yeah. So now they have a horror film for the offensive line. Now they have like about as bad as it can get. So what are they going to do between now and their next game, which is their first true road game at North Carolina? And then later on in the season when the games start to well, maybe have, get a look. I mean, they
0: got those five home games in a row. And which so is w- nuts
2: how after, how can know. they improve internally? Can those guys get it together? Well,
0: my point is the five home games are, are a good stretch to do it because if you can go to North Carolina, and Clay, correct me if I'm wrong, North Carolina's not a good team, nope. but it's still a road ACC game, and again, there's still a lot to be, to be said about that experience. Canes, if they can handle North Carolina, then you have five home games, and, and I only bring that up because it's five home games in a row, which means the crowd's on your side and you have five games where you don't the, – the pre-snap, the false starts, the noise, you can figure all that out and work on everything as an O-line to start to gel a little bit more without having to deal with 70,000 people screaming at against you and, and, and it being difficult. It's an advantage for Miami's O-line that you hope then by the time you get later in the season, six, seven games in and you have those road games – that maybe they they played a little better and a little more comfortable. That's the only the only way internally. I think that that's the biggest plus for them within the season.
1: Yeah, and and offensive line improves during the season because of cohesion. It it improves in the off season because of strength and conditioning and guys physically maturing. And I think in any sort of rebuild, the offensive line is going to be the last thing that agrees.
2: But so, th- but doesn't that mask? The progress around it, like if you get all these great receivers and these great running backs, if your line is getting destroyed, how do you how do they get better? How did no, no, how does Miami develop a passing game if they can't give Jaron Williams more than three seconds?
1: Sure, no, I, I think absolutely. Now, so let's go back. I, I want to say Alabama went what either six and seven or seven and six in, in Nick Saban's first year. I would think if you went back and you watched those games, my guess would be that they got beaten up front pretty pretty solidly. I mean that's. That's the hardest thing to do when you come in and you're trying to to remake a program. and look, i I think the cane's going twenty winning the coastal division in twenty seventeen. I think maybe gave a little bit of a, a false impression of where the program well, was. That, that,
0: 10-0 that, start. that 10-0 start yeah. was, yeah.
1: And and so I, I also think that, all right, maybe that gave a false impression of, of where the offensive line was. And then you go back and you look at those games and you realize, okay, yeah, they had, they had some really good players on that offensive line, a few here and there, but they didn't have the solid depth. And the thing about that season was it was magical in that they forced all these turnovers and it led to points. So a lot of things could happen to mask the issues on the offensive line. And so when you, you essentially start over and, and just because you're you're bringing back somebody who is your defensive mm-hmm. coordinator you're still starting the program over
0: Of course, in yeah. you're and, still and, the, and to his identity, to his, you know, what he wants, the culture that he wants. Bringing a new offensive coordinator
1: and so yeah, that's going to take time. It's going to be the mm-hmm. last thing that comes along. In the meantime, I thought there were so many positive things that you could take from that game I on agree. Saturday night.
0: Look, and the positive, you mentioned turnovers. You mentioned the defense creating uh, turnovers. That was the formula for success a couple of years ago and look the talent alone they have talent on defense that's clear the defense is ahead of the offense as far as experience as far as potential as far as what they could do now uh i will say this though they can't they got to get away from the live and die with the turnover thing because while it will work against some of the lesser opponents even last night in creating turnovers it it didn't matter why because the fundamental parts of the game the defense failed on and that's proper angles proper tackling, and stop trying to go for the big play on every single play. And it's a tough situation for Manny because he preaches aggressive defense and make big plays, but, man, was he not happy with the tackling, nor should he be happy with the tackling or the lack thereof. I mean, they were terrible, their angles, the wrapping up, going for the strip, going for the big play, and it cost them. And, and again, those are things you can get away with when you're playing a bad team. Gators are far from that. While they may not be a top-10 team, they're not a bad team. And the Canes have to shore that up if they really want to have a chance to not only, you know, a lot of people think, oh, can they run the table? I'm not talking about run the table, but if they can just win the majority of their ACC games, you know, maybe lose one, have a chance and win that Coastal. To me, the goal of this season has always been And last night, you know, and we're taping this on a Sunday, Saturday night The the the. Nothing was going to change for me the goal that you got to win the Coastal. And I hate to sound like Al Golding because that was the term he made famous, but you got to win the Coastal. Get back to winning the Coastal as they did a couple of years ago and then keep building from there. The Kings have to be that. They have to be the team that every year is the favorite of the Coastal. That's the next step.
2: The thing about the tackling is they have three senior linebackers. So that's not going to be the case every year. Like, they have enough experience on the defensive side. And I'm not singling out those three players, but they have enough experience on that defense. This is not, you know, what I was actually impressed with by their defense is if there's one area where they're undermanned, it's in the secondary, and everybody was saying how the Gators were going to throw deep the whole game because they have great wide receivers, and... It didn't happen. The the Canes, and that's with losing one of their starting cornerbacks, the Canes' corners played pretty well.
1: I, I thought they, they they were, I don't want to say the surprise of the night, but yeah. but I think the fact that they were able to go toe-to-toe with yeah. a wide receiver group that a lot of people consider the best in the country and yeah. top three at worst. The Gators, you're going to have guys that are going to be playing on Sundays in that group. And Yeah, I'm with you, Dookie, and I, I think – the tackling thing, yeah, you can bet. That's what Manny Diaz is going to be talking about over and over again for the next two weeks as they get ready for North Carolina. Yep. With that said, oh, yeah. it is classic game one situation that you see broken tackles over and over again because it is the one thing that is the hardest thing to simulate yep. in those practices leading up to game one. Yeah,
0: and I, look, I, I think it's a lesson learned for them. I think there was this is, doesn't feel the same Like LSU last year, and a lot of reasons why is because LSU last year, the Canes were the favorite, the Canes were the top-ten team. There was a disappointment thinking that the Canes were going to be a a, a team that could compete for a national title. I mean, whether that was delusional or not, that was being talked about, where this year was just like, hey, get a little better, bounce back. And because it wasn't a blowout, and because your quarterback played well, and because you still had turnovers, and because of the turnover chain and the turnover, not knuckles, the turnover ring, or touchdown ring, touchdown Touchdown ring, looks so good, there is a genuine level of, you know, hey – this seems to be okay. This team's going to figure it out, and they're going to be okay. And in a week, Coastal, I think that you can feel that way. So we'll follow the Canes now. They've got a week off, and then they will be at North Carolina begin ACC play. And again, after that, a long stretch of home games. By the way, a reminder, our sponsor today, Vera Motors. When you spend your hard-earned money in a car, go to a place with a reputation, and I promise you, there's no business in the state of Florida with a better reputation than Vera Motors. Vera Cadillac, kind of like Buick GMC, Pepper Pines. The Vera family has been serving South Florida for 60 years. For the best deal in South Florida, the best service, Vera Cadillac Buick GMC. Vera Cadillac Buick GMC, 300 South University Drive, three miles north of the stadium, Pembroke Pines. I promised early in the pod that we'd touch on the Dolphins real quick. We do this knowing that a lot of changes could be on the way. On Sunday, the Dolphins released veteran safety T.J. McDonald. Clay, there's been a lot of talk about this whole rebuild and where the Dolphins may go. How do you take the news of McDonald as far as the sign of the futures of Rashad Jones, the future of Kiko Alonso, the future of are they really going to try to trade Laramie That There's been a lot of rumors out there whether they're true or not. Uh, what do you think the Dolphins are trying to do in these final two weeks before the season?
1: They're not going to trade Rashad Jones because they can't afford to. And mm-hmm. I think cutting <clears> T.J. <throat> McDonald was because they are going to keep Rashad Jones I agree. through this season. I think next season he'll be gone. Kiko Alonso is the one that I think is probably the next on the, on the way out. Uh, Kenny Stills could be on the way out. I think what we've seen with that receiving core, you've got enough there to where if you want to go full rebuild um and and again this is strictly football reasons nothing nothing because of the well it's unfortunate it it will be made into a big story if Kenny Stills
0: is released or whatever the case may be it's going to be a big story yep
1: so I so all those guys I I would not be surprised if any or all of them are gone they're not trading Laramie Tunsil that's not happening you do not trade a potential elite left tackle in the early prime of his career I mean this is exactly what good teams do you draft well and then you pay the guys that you draft so you don't have to overpay in free agency to bring guys in they're not trading Laramie Tunsil I don't care what's been out there I the, the Twitterverse has been going crazy with this they are not trading Laramie Tunsil there's been a lot of crazy stuff out there about somehow pulling in Jadavion Clowney from from the Texans I don't see how that happens unless the Texans are are basically trading him at a really low value because they can't get anything better in return since he's basically telling me he's not going to sign the tender. Um, but so if it, I think the team, the the cornerstones here, Xavier Howard is not going anywhere, Laramie Tunsil is not going anywhere. Anybody else, I think, it, it's pretty much up for grabs at this
0: point. Yeah, I, look, and I think, to me, this this season has always been about purging the old roster and the screw-ups of Mike Tenenbaum and what was left on this roster financially. And this season, you know, that's why in the offseason, when they were going after, was it Trey Flowers that they were going after the yes. whole talk about? It? And, and I was a little curious as to what that was all about. And, it, you know, look, they they did, they did inquire from what our understanding is. I mean, there's there, there was smoke there. But uh, to me, I'm not sure that right now the getting a guy that's a big-money guy, tr- making a move like that. If anything, look, re-signing Xavier Howard, and then I would look at re-signing Laramie Tunso. look into that at least, see what you can do. To me, you build around those couple pieces you have, and then you just concentrate on the future. They're already in salary cap position for the next couple of years. They're probably going to be terrible and have a top-five pick. I don't know if you want to get ahead of yourselves and make those kind of moves. Now, shedding salary – I'm fine with, I mean, like you mentioned, Kenny Stills. I like Kenny a lot. I think he's still productive. I think he could help a contender. I don't think he helps the Dolphins exactly. much. I don't see what he adds to the Dolphins. Yep. I really don't, and again, that has nothing to do with any, all the other stuff. I'm just talking from football. Kiko Alonso, same thing. D.J. McDonald will get a job somewhere. I mean, he's, he, he he was, I think, missed, in a lot of ways, mismatched here yes. with the defense, and, and I think he could tackle. His angles at times, he's a thumper. Like, I think in the right system, he can play well still.
1: It's, it's stunning that in a passing league, two strong safeties playing into Together didn't work stunning absolutely yeah. stunning <laughs> I, that was okay uh, quick rant here we go what did what did Mike Tinnenbaum and Adam Gase do while they were here let's go back and let's revisit just three moves they signed T.J. McDonald to a one-year 1.03 million or three four million dollar whatever he goes and he plays well in training camp Before he ever steps on the field for a regular season game, they sign him to a contract extension. He had not played a game for the Miami Dolphins, and they signed him to a new contract. It is beyond baffling. That's number one. Number two, we've talked for years about how Ryan Tannehill was not the answer here and and certainly had not proven that he was going to be the answer. At, At best, it was in a gray area. So they restructure his contract to try to sign free agents a couple of years just to try to get back to 9-7 and seven and maybe you want to walk And, oh, by the way, they also restructure Rashad Jones' contract to the point Damn. where if they were to cut him now, they would have $17 million in dead cap.
0: Well, that's, what that's, that's the, the Mike world? Tannenbaum, Adam Gase. I mean, Mike <laughs> Tannenbaum and then Adam Gase. I mean, look, they are – and that's why when people – Try to either criticize or try to re- figure out what to think of this regime. It's first of all, Brian Flores has never coached a game yet. Let's let's get the season going. And second of all, they have such a mess to clean up that it's hard to it's hard to really analyze what what they need to do. But I would just kind of I would shed that salary, move on, play young guys, stink, suck, whatever you want to call it for 2-0 uh, or for whoever.
2: But don't say for Luck.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean that they should have done that years ago. I, I wish they would have. Remember that too year? soon. Well, that that I, don't, you, don't you think you would have allowed those 171 touchdown passes over six seasons? You know, hey, bless him for his future and his decision. But man, that that those missed opportunities cost a franchise. Look at the Colts the last six years; they had 11, uh, three 11 win seasons, uh, another four, six, six, uh, win seasons.
1: Real quick on the Jadavian Clowney stuff before we move forward with the with the quarterback stuff. Um, I think the Trey Flowers thing the whole time is because there was a lot of smoke. The Jets were interested. It wouldn't surprise me if part of the Jadavion Clowney stuff is that somebody in the AFC East might be interested. It could be in that. Look, the, the one, one thing it doesn't make sense for the it Dolphins. It
0: does, and the one thing can I say, the one thing I like about Brian Flores that it's different is that he doesn't blow smoke at his players. If you know what I mean, yeah. he doesn't. He doesn't sit there and tell you. Like oh you know I love this guy he's great he's doing great he's great we we love him like no he'll say like I I know he needs to play better this yeah. guy has you know this this particular player you know I I challenge him I tell him this and it's it's a little refreshing because. He isn't the greatest soundbite in the sense like he's not going to sit there and, and make you laugh and be silly mm-hmm. and be that engaging coach, but he's going to tell you how it is. Like, yeah, he needs to play better. I told the so and so player to play better. This this player needs to do this. He knows what we expect from him. We expect more, which I think is refreshing. Like, I don't think he, there's anybody on this team that should feel comfortable. I, you know, you have your couple of young star players, sure, but I don't think anybody should feel comfortable that Brian Flores is going to say, you know, we like you. Don't worry. You're here long term. Except
2: Jakeem Grant. Got a four-year extension. I mean, well,
0: even Zay- Howard got his extension. I get it, but
2: okay. But but let me just say, let me talk about two guys, Tunsil and Kenny Stills. Tunsil, besides the fact that, like you said, you draft them, you develop them, this offensive line is so bad. This offensive line is just like barely passable to go onto an NFL field. If they trade Laramie Tunsil and downgrade that position, one of these quarterbacks will get killed this year. And, and, and your running backs will get killed this year. It's not a possibility. So I think by virtue of that, like you can try to quote unquote tank or you can try to, to, to cut cost or whatever whatever, but you got to protect your players. Mm-hmm. And if you're sending, I mean, look, as of Sunday, Brian Flores hasn't named a starting quarterback. He hasn't done that because he wants a competition because he wants to have a competitive roster. Getting rid of your left tackle, when your offensive line is this bad, is not it it, it's not me. fielding a competitive I mean, roster, and it's that. endangering— Okay, yeah. the Kenny Stills thing, very quickly. Sure, from a football sense, move on, et cetera, et cetera. I think, just my personal opinion, because of all the things that have gone on around Kenny Stills, because of the national story that has gone on around Kenny Stills— I don't think they sh- they can do something oh, because because this is, this is this is a locker oh. Oh. I think it's just wow. been yeah. it's been too much it's been a lot of attention not to not to football and I think Brian Flores is very much about trying to keep it football related and I think that their the the motivation behind it even if it's a salary dump even let's say they get rid of kiko and they get rid of tj mcdonald and 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 kenny stills is just the next veteran and for people who understand the dolphins it's a totally logical next move within their plan which is to shed salary and draft better even if that were the case that is not the national narrative that would go out. That is not the perception that would go out, teams and it would create a bigger headache. Yeah, teams than,
0: don't keep players or cut players because of perception. The teams. I think teams this team needs to think about it. They, they don't. How, how much lower can they go in the tunnel pool? They, they're one of the worst teams in football. They haven't won in a long time. They, their owner was just run through with all the stuff that was going on. I, I think the last thing Brian Flores is going to do is keep players because of that. I mean, he is going. Like he said, he already came out and supported Kenny Stills and what he's doing and stuff. But he also going to cut him. But well. <laughs> Within that, he said he challenged Kenny because he needs to be better. So he's already telling you he's not happy with the way Kenny Stills is playing and with the things that he's doing. He's basic, like I said earlier about the. He's saying it. So while on one end he's saying I support this, to me that's actually the opposite of what you're saying. To me he's saying like Hey, I support you. Doesn't mean you're going to be on this team though if you don't start playing better and doing what you're supposed to do. And I think he would absolutely. They would move on for salary and for performance issues. And while there may be a national story, and there will be for a day or two, it'll go away. And the Dolphins will play their season, and they'll continue their season. This is going to be something. They're not going to be people protesting at games because the Dolphins cut Kenny Stills for what they are football. What they say are football reasons. I mean. Will there be perception from others? Sure, but I don't think the dolphins are operating in that way. I don't think they care. No, Nor should I, they really?
2: You have to build your team the way you see fit.
1: Yeah, no, I do. I do agree with you. By the way, that the perception would be that absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah. And, and then, but, we, two, but, 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 but,
2: but we, but we who who watch the team and see that they're cutting veterans or right. cuttings, like it makes sense if we take all of the 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 outside stuff out of it from a totally football economics perspective, it doesn't make sense to keep a veteran around like him. He's like a finishing piece to a good team. But that's not what people are going to see. Yeah. Uh, and and I, that, and that and and that's another headache for the I, Dolphins. I agree
1: with you on that part. I agree with Will on the on the the fact that I don't think they care. I, I don't I don't think that will will keep them from making a move when look, I I do think by the way that if it if it came down the pipe that they were going to make this move, it would go to Stephen Ross first. And I think he would ask for <laughs> No, but I think he would ask for for an explanation of why and if if he told him, look, You've got Preston Williams on an undrafted rookie contract that we have to keep. You've got Albert Wilson, who already shown what a difference maker he can be. We just gave Jakeem Grant a contract mm-hmm. extension. Devontae Parker is here on the cheap for a year. Um, and and you, you go on down Isaiah the Ford, there's your six. I, and, and I I think Isaiah Ford has proven a lot. you still got Alan Hearns on a mm-hmm. cheap contract. I mean, that's that's six guys right there that you could easily make the case because of their potential production and what they're making that it would make too much sense to keep them instead of So again purely football um and if they explained it to ross in that way and we know stephen ross is a businessman and i think if they they put it like that sure you're right 100 percent the perception would be that it was for non-football reasons Yep. however there are football reasons yeah it would be yeah. for a
0: day or two this team, listen if there's one thing this team is professional at it's dealing with with outside outside noise <laughs> You mean and, it's, and professional or experienced? Yeah. no. It's the yes. one. It's
2: the one area of experience on the yes. team. Crisis management. Crisis
0: <laughs> management is their. They're the number one team. Their PR you, team the PR team is the power their... rankings for crisis management. The Dolphins are number one. Their
2: PR team is their yeah, most. They, is, they, is, they, is their it, most experienced so I, unit. <laughs> I don't get
0: caught up in that. You know, the best thing in this pod is that we didn't talk about the quarterbacks, and that's good because I'm over it. Like, make a decision. What do you Move think, on. Rosen or Fitzpatrick? Yeah, that's it. I think the pod is is officially done. I think the Dolphins have one more preseason game on Thursday night, and then we'll see from there what ends up happening. If Brian Forrest, if he even makes the decision to tell us, remember he said on Sunday, I mean, I didn't tell you guys. You know, show up that opening game as Baltimore and say, hey, the starter is? Jake Lamar Jackson. The guy that runs out of the field. That's our starter. Thanks for listening to Miami Sports Pod.